Hello, everybody. Welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. We are business creators. We are entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We're marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We are the folks who help others create and grow their businesses, and some of us are do-it-yourselfers who like to have our own hands on the marketing levers as we grow our business. If you are one or more of the above, and chances are you are more than one of the above, in fact, many of our listeners are all four of the above, take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing. You can also find us on iTunes just by doing a search by Business Creators Radio Show. We love those five-star ratings. They help us help more business creators just like you. Be sure to subscribe. Fresh content added every Tuesday. Over 180 episodes on a broad variety of topics await your immediate perusal from the names you know and the names you need to know. So today, here on Business Creators Radio Show, you know, we talk, hear about these Amazon businesses, and I have a couple good friends of mine um, who are instructors and mentors in the Amazon space, uh, teaching people to build Amazon businesses, to leverage Amazon businesses, and the folks I know in the industry are doing great work with that, helping our entrepreneurs and our business creators do that. That being said, there's not enough of them. So the other day, I was approached by the publicity team for the gentleman you are about to meet. And as soon as I saw this topic, I pounced on it and I said, let's show right now. I just gave away his name. Introducing Adam Hudson of Reliable.Education, a man I can relate to on a first name basis. How you doing, Adam? Adam, it's great to be here. I'm really well. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. So just for our listeners, let me just tell you a little bit about Adam Hudson. He's a serial entrepreneur who has built several multi-million dollar companies in both Australia and the United States. Adam is considered an Amazon thought leader and has been featured in many places, including Sky Business News, The Brian Tracy Show, The Eventual Millionaire Podcast, oh, I love all these, USA Today, The Wall Street Journal, WebRetailer.com, and Newsweek. Adam currently owns an Amazon marketing service firm, a homewares brand that sells its products exclusively through Amazon into more than 30 countries, and Reliable Education, an online education company which teaches students across the globe how to build profitable Amazon businesses which generate reliable income streams. And all I can say is, whoo, that's exciting. But what I'd like to do now, and this is what we do for all of our guests, is Adam, uh, I just read off your official bio, very impressive stuff, uh, you know, I, I read that and I say, wow, that's the kind of guy that I'd like to have as my mentor. But what we like to do is give the, our listeners who are just getting to know you now a chance to do so. So tell us a little bit in your own words about your journey and what has brought you to this point uh, where you function at the intersection of your brilliance and passion. Adam, thank you for that. And, um, you know, every time I hear that intro being read, it's, uh, it makes me feel amazing as well. I'm like, wow, that's <laughs> incredible. But, um, you know, I, I think behind a bio like that with anybody that's achieved anything, you know, that's meaningful in some way, there's also a lot of lessons. And, you know, I, I said the other day when I was being interviewed by someone that I probably have more experience failing than I've had at success, as have most people who've, um, you, know, you know, made it in some capacity professionally. So just as a, a real quick snapshot, I've, I grew up in Australia, as all your listeners can probably hear my Australian accent. Um, I right. came from a very working class family. 
Um, and, you know, I started my first business when I was in my uh, early 20s, and I'm 43 today. So I've been at this thing for over 20 years. Um, and, you know, I didn't come from a money family. My dad was a public servant. My mum raised the three of us, the three boys. Um, and so I just started, you know, as a kid, I was washing cars and mowing people's lawns in the neighbourhood and um, and just started out my very first business and, and learning. And, um, yeah, it's been a really interesting journey up to here. And I've owned all kinds of businesses in all kinds of industries, ranging from, ranging from uh, a crowdfunding platform, which was one of the first in the world before it was even called crowdfunding in Australia, uh, I owned an animation company in Hollywood, California, which I sold last year. I was uh, there and living in the US full-time. I'm here in LA today, but I was living there for four years while I built that. So very varied and diverse background. So um, yeah, really interesting journey up to here and lots of lessons in failure as well as success. You know, a couple things uh, strike me about your story that I can really resonate with. Um, you know, I came from a... Um, uh, a lower to middle class family myself. Uh, you know, my, my parents are middle class. Uh, they had learned the lessons from their parents who learned the lessons from their parents who learned the lessons from their parents, which is study hard in school, get good grades, get a good job, put up with the BS from the company for 30 years, grab the gold watch and go play golf in Fort Lauderdale. Well, the fact is <laughs> that there is no gold watch. And, you know, I, I, I did that. Um, I, I went to college. Uh, then I decided I wanted to do something else in life. So my political science degree, which was supposed to get me into law school, well, I use that political science degree and I apply what I learned there to the arts of persuasion. So I still get use out of it. So then I decided I wanted to go for an MBA. Uh, got an MBA in human resource management. Um, didn't end up in human resource management, but a lot of the consulting I do relies on some of the lessons. Useful MBA, great stuff. Uh, did the job interviews, the networking. I had two companies small companies that were going to, they weren't even hiring, but they were going to create positions just for me because they liked the cut of my jib. But then I said, eh, no. Right around that time, I hooked up with one of my business mentors who had a training and development consulting firm. I ended up uh, doing some work for him on the side while I still held down my full-time job. And I evolved it. And a year or two later, I just jumped off and been an entrepreneur ever since. As a child, I had a little grass cutting business. I loved summers because I got the grass, I got the lawnmower, and even though we lived out in the country and there weren't a lot of houses around, the few houses that were there had big yards. And then I found a nice <laughs> little trailer park up the road, and they all wanted Adam to come cut their grass. So I had myself a little business going, I had a little coin going. And then later on, since you mentioned that, after I uh, got out of college and then I you know, went through my first McJob, uh, a job that was so horrible that the day I resigned, I to this day celebrated my second birthday, which I wrote about in a book. Um, you know, it was summertime, and I decided to go back for my MBA. So uh, rather than try and get another job or what have you, and I didn't want to do the tempting either, I said, you know what? I'm going to get me a lawnmower. I'm going to do a little grass cutting business. Get outside. Get some fresh air. I'm going back to MBA school in the fall anyway. So what the hell? And that's what I did. So, because there's something about that. I mean, just when you mentioned you had a little grass cutting business of your own, that kind of resonated with me because we learn entrepreneurship sometimes at that very early age when we see that we do something and we get remunerated for it, and we go and we create our, you know, we, you know, we cut our own line through the field, for lack of a better analogy, and we see that that pays off. And I wish yep. that we had more people doing that. We still need more, which is why I'm glad we have you here today, Adam. So. <laughs> Let's steer this to Amazon. Um, 
Would you consider, of all these opportunities you just told us about, would you consider Amazon the best business opportunity you've come across in your 20 years as an entrepreneur? Look, I think it, it certainly is for the for most of us. You know, there are certainly businesses out there in tech and stuff like that, but uh, that, that are probably even more amazing. But I don't have the brain for that. And the only reason I started teaching people Amazon is it's because it's the only business that I've seen uh, or operated myself that I earnestly believe somebody else can learn. And the reason that is is because it's not based around your personality, being an expert. Uh, you know, like there's a lot of courses saying, be an expert, become a consultant or a trainer. Uh, or, you know, learn all this marketing stuff. And a lot of people, especially over 40, my age, I think I gave up on trying to keep up with technology when Snapchat came out. I said, that's it. I'm not learning another platform. I miss Twitter. I'm going to miss this as well. <laughs> there just comes a point where you can't keep up with all of that. Um, and so for the, for the people that are just, like, looking for a fundamentally good business um, that's teachable, I think it's an amazing opportunity and in my 20 plus years of business, one thing that I've learned that's really critical is timing and being in the right place at the right time. And I learned that from Richard Branson, who, when I had a chance to chat with him, he said, because I asked him, how did you build five separate billion dollar companies? And he looked me dead in the eye and said, I was lucky and in the right place at the right time. And that's not the, exact, the, the, the answer you expect from a, a multi-billionaire. But he said, sure, I worked hard. You know, everybody works hard, though. You, you need to have timing. And the timing for Amazon is perfect right now. And, and the question we get a lot is, you know, is it too late? Has the boat sailed? Um, you know, and the answer is absolutely no. And I can give you some metrics if you want them around that and why I believe that. Uh, but I think the timing is just phenomenal and it's teachable and it's in a very, very exciting time to be looking at it. Yeah, and I, and I agree with that. And uh, when we announced that you were going to be on the Business Creators Radio Show, we had some people write to us with some questions about Amazon businesses specifically, since we're talking about helping others create the business of their dreams. And one of the things that I like about Amazon, this is something that I need to get more into myself, is the fact that you have a ready-made platform and it already has customers. A distinction I like to draw, and maybe, and actually, rather than me saying a distinction I like to draw, let me share an impression with you and get your thoughts on it as a subject matter expert. Um, I've had folks say that when you have an Amazon business, you don't actually have customers. Amazon has customers that they let you market to. Is that true or is, that, is there something else we need to talk about there? Well, look, you know, it's, it, it, it depends. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of semantics. Like it, technically speaking, yes. Amazon own the customer. If you want to communicate with a customer, you do it through Amazon's platform. You don't get their email addresses. There are softwares now that help you get email addresses of your customers, whether they're compliant or not, I'm not sure. Uh, but if you build a product with a brand that is a strong brand, um, people do become a customer of the brand. I get emails through our website all the time that's off Amazon. Um, from customers who found us originally on Amazon, I get uh, email inquiries from uh, retailers around the world wanting to stock my brand um, and, and other online platforms wanting me to bring my brand over to their platforms like I've been approved for Walmart and Jet and a whole bunch of other big platforms now where they sort me out. So um, yes and no, I mean that technically Amazon do own the customer but it, it depends how you define a business but um, yeah, I mean if they're being sold and they are, Amazon business are being sold so they are businesses as well. It's sort of people, there, there are some people who just take a little bit of a negative view um, on Amazon and I, and I understand that component but there are so many pluses to the platform like you pointed out, 
You don't need to build the, the, the platform. You don't need to have a warehouse. You don't need to do any of the marketing. Um, and, you know, what other business is there? Like, as I sit here today, I'm sold in 33 countries or 34 countries through Amazon. I have my inventory in just two Amazon warehouses, one in England and one in Dallas, Texas. And from there, I'm in front of nearly seven or 800 million people around the world, all of whom know, trust Amazon um, and are buying from me uh, daily. So, uh, you know, what other business is there that I can be anywhere in the world and, and, and be exposed to that number of people through a trusted platform that I didn't build or pay for. Um, that's a sobering thought when you really uh, put your head around that. Yeah, it is indeed. Uh, I want to pull out one thing that you said there that I thought was fairly profound, is that when you have a brand and you're building a brand, well, if you're using Amazon as your platform and they see your products and they see what you're doing, if, if it is branded to you personally or to your company name, then it's also incumbent on, upon you to have a great web presence, to have a great social media presence, to have a great way that you can generate list building in other ways so that they see your products in Amazon, they buy your products in Amazon, then they search you out and then they engage you on their own terms, whether it's by become a social media friend, fan, or follower, opting into your email list, or what have you. So the classic principles of online marketing apply here if you want to leverage that Amazon business. So yeah, maybe the platform is theirs. And on the other side, you have a platform. You don't have to build your own platform. You know how many businesses I've seen get absolutely nowhere because they were messing around with, uh, you know, how, you know, which software do we use? And, and rah, 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 rah. three years later, $500,000, still no business. What drive traffic, Adam? I mean, that's the other thing is that so many people can build a beautiful website, but these days getting people to their website is the challenge. Here's a really sobering fact, right, that in, in the U.S., Last year, online retail was a $300 billion market. Of that, half of it, in exactly, almost exactly one in every $2 spent in online retail in America was spent on Amazon, every second dollar. So if you're not in Amazon, you are missing out on 50% of every dollar spent. I mean, it's just, it's an outrageous percent of the market, um, and, and, they, and they enable you to grow everywhere. And another fact, that, that, that people need to consider. In the last 10 years, 10 years ago, the value, the combined value of the top 10 retailers in America, so we're talking about Walmart, Sears, JCPenney, Best Buy, the top 10 listed companies in America a decade ago, Amazon was worth 5% of their combined value. Today, 10 years later, Amazon is worth more than all 10 of those companies combined. And of those 10 companies, every single one is down significantly on their value of what they were worth a decade ago, except Walmart, which is only up 2%. At the same time, Amazon is up 1,900% in value. So if you're right. sitting there saying, I don't want to be in Amazon, but I want to be in online retail, personally, I think you're moronic. You'd be, it'd be psychotic not to be on that platform because uh, you know, I, I've been approached in the last two months by two brokers trying to buy my company, which only sells on Amazon. So when people say right. it's not a business, I'm like, well, I've got, you know, seven-figure offers here um, that say it is a business, you know. And uh, But there's a very specific process, and there's a, there's a lot of stuff which I hope we'll jump into about how to do it properly, um, you know, to, to, to sustain it. Because there's a lot of people out there that have sort of peddled information that, has, uh, you know, caused people to, to have a lot of pain. And, you know, what I get involved in is private labeling, which is creating your own brand, 
um, getting it manufactured in a country, let's say China, and selling it on Amazon. And the reason I recommend that strategy, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that, that some people are teaching to arbitrage and you know sell other people's stuff. Here's my thinking: is that if you're going to spend your time building a business and and doing transactions, it's a bit like the McDonald's models. You know, McDonald's is as wealthy as they are, not because of the business, but because of the real estate under the business. So yes, they're making money from burgers, but they're also making money from the real estate, which is growing every day in value. So when you create right. a white label brand, it's the same thing. If you're going to be on Amazon, you may as well sell your own brand because you're building the value of the brand, which you own. That's always being attributed back to you. Um, and you're getting the cash flow along the way as well. So, you know, that's the strategy that I teach, but I teach it very, very differently to pretty much anyone you'll probably have on this show um, uh, around the place. Right. Uh, two observations here. Now, on the first one, bear with me because I don't have the article in front of me, so I'm going entirely by memory, which may be a little bit mixed up. But I'm recalling a couple months ago um, when uh, our president-elect met with some leading technology executives at, uh, at the Trump Tower, and one of them was Jeff Bezos, the chief executive officer of Amazon. And I read in this article that if you take him and two of the other people in the room, just those three people's companies controlled something like uh, 5% of the entire uh, gross domestic product of the United States. That's something. Right. That's it's amazing. That. And yep, in, fact, that's that's a, in fact, I think I'm being very conservative with my numbers. I think it was a, a bigger number. But again, I don't have the article in front of me. That just tells you the reach that Amazon has. Second thing is, this is the third time in two weeks I've heard somebody say, I am representing brokers who are looking to buy Amazon businesses. So that in itself is very hot, too. You know, we talk about entrepreneurship. We want to build a sellable business. We want to build it, drop it off make a nice profit and move on to the next thing because you know as entrepreneurs we can't sit in one place for too long what better way if an amazon business can be monetized that way and you can build something that somebody wants to buy well why wouldn't you want to buy it there's a business that you know i wake up in the morning look at my iphone app and it tells me how much money i made when i didn't realize i'd made it all over the world and i have one part-time employee in thailand that's it you know um, there's not many businesses in the world because at the end of the day, for a majority of people, the reason that they start businesses is to be free. They just want to have their time back. They want time with their kids. They want time away. You know, that's our most precious commodity. The older I get, the more I ask questions around what impact is this going to have on my time and mental bandwidth. And, and that, as you get older and, 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 the, and the scales start to shift to time running out, um, you know, not to be negative, but that's basically why we do this thing. So of businesses where time is a priority and, and freedom is a priority, it's very, very hard to beat Amazon because we're not talking about a multi-level marketing thing here where you've got to recruit your friends and spin all the plates and keep everybody motivated. This is about a product business. It is the product that people are buying and paying for, not you or your time or your expertise. It's the product. So the time and the expertise is in the product research, branding and packaging um, and uh, which, which is a very subtle thing here, Adam. A lot of people say, oh, no, the, the, it's all about marketing. You've got to get your headlines, and they're teaching Amazon hacks, and they're teaching you all this stuff that anybody can learn in five seconds. It doesn't take any real talent to learn a marketing trick from a marketer, right? So if you want to compete on that level, uh, you're going to have a challenge. And in my upcoming book, I talk about this, and I say that there's four types of Amazon Amazon uh, uh, animals in the jungle. One is a monkey, which is the marketers. The guys are amazing at uh, keyword optimization, the headlines and marketing and all that. 
And then there's sloths who are just lazy people who have no business being there. And then you have Lions, which are the big, huge companies that sell things like toilet paper and water and big consumables, Amazon, for example. And then there's Peacocks. And Peacocks are the, are the, are the professional branders, the people that think strategically about what is the competitive, sustainable advantage of the product I'm putting into this marketplace and why will people buy it from Amazon in the context of what's already there. And so what I encourage my students to be is be professional peacocks and, and monkeys. So we call them pea monkeys, which is a cross between great marketers, but also very strategic thinkers, people who can look at the softer, logical things that are harder to teach. And uh, that's how you build a reliable business is by having a, uh, a really quality, well thought through, contextualized product. Right. So uh, how do we pick a product? I know that's such a broad question, uh, but uh, yeah, because I run into people all the time saying, yeah, man, I'd like to have an Amazon business. And let me put a little bit of framework around that. Maybe we can use me as the example. One of my intentions for 2017 is to begin to, for, for myself, monetize the stuff that people go on Facebook and bitch about all day. Uh, if they're... <laughs> If, the, if they're so fired up about this stuff that they can take time away from their paying clients to express their opinions, they're mad enough about this that they'll probably buy books about it, they'll buy T-shirts about it, not to become a T-shirt guy, uh, and uh, they may buy other products that are relevant to their interests. And then I can avatar and figure out what else it is about these segments of the population and what else they like and make those kinds of offers to them. So that's my thought process so far. So let's say you were dealing with someone like me who came with that question is, you know, how do I find uh, the passionate audience and match it to a product that they're going to love? What are some questions that we want to ask or things we want to consider? So the first thing I want to do, and I'll get to that in one moment, I'll just give you a couple of fundamental ideas which will shape all of what, 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 what everybody wants to know is how to find a product. But how to find a product has to be there's a few fundamentals that need to be understood. The first one is that the wonderful thing about you Americans, and I'm an Australian, I've lived here full time for, for four or five yeah. years and I'm now based in Singapore. The wonderful thing about America is that it's the Charlie Chocolate Factory for entrepreneurship. It is the mecca. You have this yes. massive, massive marketplace, 320 million people. When I came to this country as an immigrant, uh, my American friend said, dude, we've never seen somebody work so hard as you. And I'm like, well, dude, you guys just don't understand how good you got it. I come from a country of 25 million people, uh, which is less than the population of California, and I'm trying to get ahead right. there. Right? I come here, I'm like, man, this country is packed with people, customers, right? So in that base, there is uh, more than 10 million millionaires in this country. That's half the population of my entire country where I'm from are millionaires, and many of those are multi-multi-millionaires, right? So right. the first realization is that not everybody wants the cheapest thing on Amazon, right? There are, there are huge markets of people that are prepared to spend a little extra to have a quality product. And so this leads to my second point, which is a misnomer that a lot of these courses teach, which is especially some of the biggest ones that were out there a few years ago and are still floating around now, have sort of told people what you've got to do to find a product is you go to the, 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 any of the top categories in Amazon, and Amazon's got like 20 or 30 categories, click on any category, home and kitchen, sporting goods, whatever, and then just pick any of the top 100, or, and then over time they expanded it because they had too many students, but go to the top 100 best sellers, which anybody can do in two seconds, just click on a category that says, here's the top 100. Now, though, the first thing you need to realize, and they said these, there's lots of this stuff being sold, so if you sell something there, you're going to succeed. So thousands of people went and did this, right, without thinking. So first of all, the, the, the flaw here is that a best-selling product on Amazon just simply means 
that these are the products that are selling the most units. Now, unless you know the margin, that's irrelevant, right? Best-selling products doesn't matter because in business, turnover doesn't mean anything. What means something is leftover, right? You can't spend turnover. If you do, you're going to go broke, right? So what you need to find yeah. is profitable niches, not just high volume. High volume alone is not enough. You need to be able to find high volume, but then find a way to earn out or carve out a reason for people to pay you enough that you're going to actually make a respectable margin because a lot of the best-selling products have got very low-margin, high-volume businesses, which the average punter listening to this call probably cannot sustain that business, right? So yes. what I'm encourage, encouraging people to do is to go, okay, let's first of all think why we're going to do this. We're going to do this to make a profit. My very first product was in home and kitchen. It was ranked 55,000 in home and kitchen, not even in the top 1,000 or even the top 10,000, but what I did was I sold a product for it was a $170 product when I launched it um, in a marketplace where the, the, there was a famous brand that sold for about $350 and then there was tons and tons of stuff at about $40 or $50 and I basically created a product which looked as good or actually better than the famous brand, better packaging, more beautiful branding and I took up this spot in the 170 range and everyone else was about $60 or below. And I, that one product started making me 15 grand a month of just a few sales a day. Um, but my margin was like 60% on that product. So, you know, it had nothing to do with bestseller rank and it had everything to do with looking at the, the category and going, look, this famous brand is doing business at $350. Everybody else is trying to do business at 80. There's got to be some money in the middle there. Now, no software is going to show this up, right? Logical thinking and looking at a, a niche that you're interested in will. So, um, if you're looking for products, so the things I would say to people is, first of all, just, just remember that you don't have to be the cheapest because the market these days is, and especially on Amazon where it's a naked review process where people publicly post what they think, um, you need to find a product that's quality. On, on the web retailer website when they interviewed me, they, they put the headline, meet the lazy Amazon seller, who said, and, they, and they did it positively and I love the headline because I literally do work probably 20 minutes a day on my Amazon business and the reason I'm able to do it is because the foundation is that I have a quality product which means I don't have negative reviews, I don't have uh, complaints all day, people keep buying from me, they rebuy from me um, and my business just works because at the fundamental level quality is the rule. So to answer your question, you know, I encourage people who are looking for products, start where your passions lie and see by using tools to see, you know, if there's volume, there's, you know, we have a software we use called nonguru.com. It's a piece of software that will tell you um, the, the number of units that are being sold every day of that product on Amazon. So you can see before you begin the, the volume. And then what, when, when, you know, you might put 100, 200 products into the software and you'll say, okay, this, this, this thing's doing 10, 20 grand a month here. Let me see, let me now have a look at that. So you put the keywords into Amazon and you see what pops up. And the first tip I give people is try to create, find a product that you can visually differentiate because it's very much like a dating site. When someone goes to Amazon, they type in what they're looking for and the photos pop up. And the first thing we do is we judge the photo. First, what's in the photo and then the quality of the photo. So if you I give the example often of car covers. If you go to Amazon, you put in car covers and page one is just all black, blue and grey. Nobody has gone in there with a bright pink car cover that says the princess mobile targeted at the young girls who have their little dogs <laughs> in their handbags 
it stands out immediately off the page and you put a, you know, or you have one that's got the beast with gold flames down the side for all the people who have like an old Trans Am or something and want something fun. The minute they see that, it stands out on the page. People go, there's nothing else like this and I'll pay an extra 10 bucks for it. There's, there's the margin that you need to survive. Does that make sense? So visual differentiation yeah. in the product itself is, is key. If you're just a me too product competing on price, you might as well not be there. You know, it's, it's you're going to lose. And that's true in business too. Um, and you, one, the last thing you want to do, regardless of whatever it is, is commoditize yourself. I mean, even if you're in a commodity business and listeners to the business creators radio show know my analogies of, I throw in web design companies is a common analogy because I've dealt with every single one of them one time or another in my 13 years and I can tell you the difference between a web company not web design company rather but web hosting company my apologies web hosting companies I've dealt with every single one of them and I've seen great companies become horrible horrible companies suddenly become great flashes in the pan the ones that stick around for a long time and uh, I have the biggest trend that I have seen is smaller web hosting companies that get bought up by bigger ones and go from being niche companies, companies that are famed for their customer service, the type of company you love having hosting your websites, to just another hosting company where you submit a ticket and wait a week while your website's being hacked. Um, all of yeah. our listeners know exactly what I'm referring to. I don't think I need to say it. But uh, that, that alone what you see there is the process of commoditization where you have this consolidation of all these little web hosting companies uh, into this conglomerate that as far as anybody that I know can tell is basing it on price and cornering the market in such a way where if you hate this one web hosting company, you say, ah, the heck with this, 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 this blue gator company. I'm going to, I'm going to host host. Uh, it turns out that the same company owns both of them, so you're just taking money from one bank account to the other. Uh, that right there is another example of commoditization. There is literally at this point no difference between those two companies. But then you see some niche companies that are really geared towards entrepreneurs and online businesses that have their servers designed in such a way optimized for WordPress and e-commerce softwares uh, that understand that the, hey, these people do launches, and if something goes wrong two minutes before doors open, the affiliates are going to be pissed. So they put a premium on good customer service. So everybody I know who is serious about an online business will gladly pay double, triple, quadruple, ten times, ten times what the average person will pay for their fourteen ninety-five a month shared hosting just to know that when they do their launch, there aren't going to be any problems. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, you've, you've got to know your customer. You know, and people will pay. And everybody, you know, a lot of people in the Amazon space have been sort of, um, you know, just misinformed about and told just sell in the top categories, be amazing at writing headlines and doing keyword research. But that all presupposes that people don't notice qualitative things that are the softer things in there. In, in the category I sell in, you know, I take up three of the top 20 spots, page one on Amazon for um, some of my products. And what's really fascinating about the page one listings when you look at it on my particular product, I'm literally twice the price of the next cheapest 
uh, supplier and everybody else is cheaper than that again. So I'm literally double the price of products that look the same and I've now got Chinese uh, factories that have launched products that look very similar to mine but don't have the branding and the packaging and mine just continues to convert because of all the little things, the name of the brand, the logo, the packaging is beautiful. I spent more on the packaging than the product itself. And customers just keep coming back and because I know that customer, I know I'm the buyer, I understand what they're looking for. Um, and, um, and other people don't. They just think, oh, I've seen the data, I'm just going to put the same product in and cut the price in half and I will make... 20% or 15% margin. Meanwhile, I'm making 40, 45% because I didn't cut the things that I know matter to the customer, but the other people don't. And um, you know, these are this is the type of thing that, that that we try to teach people is really understand. Like Amazon is a jungle with little microclimates, and every the customers in each microclimate care about different things. If you're selling paper paper towels, people don't care about design so much. They're just going to buy one of the top uh, paper towels sold by a lion company like a Procter and Gamble, right? But if you're selling men's right. watches, people are going to go five, six pages deep on that product because they're going to look at this thing on their wrist for the next few years or they're going to give it as a gift and, and it says something about your style. If you're buying a dog bed, design matters because you love your pet and it's going to be on display in your home. So I like to get in the niches where design matters because people, because then that is now a more rarefied area. You know, that requires somebody who really cares and really thinks, and most people do neither, right? Most people just want to buy a piece of software. They, I get so many questions. What software are you? What, what are you using to find out? And I'm like, that just tells you sales volumes, right? That doesn't tell you the softer stuff that is going to cause people to buy from you. That's the stuff you need to think about and really put yourself in the shoes of a consumer in that area of the jungle and who your competitors are in that area of the jungle and how you're going to outfox them. Something just jumped out at me. Uh, we're talking about people spending so much more money for a premium. Causes. For example, uh, let, you, know, you mentioned you know, buying paper towels. And a lot of folks will go to their nearest grocery store and they'll buy the nearest uh, package of 12 paper towels. I mean, they may look for the ones that, uh, you know, that soak up more water per square of paper towels, but paper towels are basically paper towels. But then there are folks like me who uh, pay probably two to three times as much as those people do for paper towels because I want the ones that are 100% recycled without the white dye. Did you know the paper towels right. are only white because they're dyed? Uh, by nature, they're kind of a beige color, like paper is before it's I, did, I didn't. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. But that's so example. I, I country, Whole Foods you can get rich off that niche. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there, and there are folks out there like that, like that who have that level of consciousness. Is uh, I want paper towels that don't have the white dye and are 100% recycled. That just so they know that they're doing their small parts to keep the environment friendlier uh, by incorporating to what they do in their life, will happily pay the premium for the organic, non-dyed paper towels. Uh, here's another one: uh, vegans uh, like myself are very conscious about the origin of their clothing. Uh, this is one of the differences between a vegetarian and a vegan. A vegetarian doesn't eat animal meat, basically, but they usually still drink milk and, and consume cheese and all that. And the vegetarianism, in most of the cases that I've seen, doesn't spread to not wearing a leather jacket or not wearing a leather coat. It's just a matter of not eating 
meat products or the muscle of animals or something like that. The vegan stays away from all animal-based products as a matter of lifestyle principle. Therefore, they need vegan belts. They need vegan shoes. They need vegan clothes. Uh, chances are you're not going to walk into your local everyday retailer and find the vegan clothing section. Uh, however, you can find plenty of it on Amazon. Exactly. Yeah, that's great examples of riches in niches, you know. Um, in this country, you can do that. But the key on Amazon is if you're going to go into a niche, the, the real advantage that you're looking for there, uh, except for things like that where people are going to search out vegan, you know, whatever, or natural or eco-friendly paper towels, um, you, you want to visually differentiate because people don't read, so they, they're going to look. So if you're in another category where it's not that, that sort of conviction-based, um, you know, where the, those people will research things out and look for a visual differentiator, it's really, really important uh, to do, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's some good basic starting points for people in terms of how to build a reliable business that has a moat around it, is be prepared to dive into the softer aspects of uh, of branding and, and looking for quality uh, in what you're doing, you know, um, very, very important. Right, certainly. So since I have you here, this is a question I got asked by a few folks who heard that you were going to be on our show talking about Amazon stuff is about reviews and getting Amazon reviews. Now, there are companies out there that say, we'll get you 100 Amazon reviews for 100 bucks. And uh, I think common sense tells you, unless you're about to correct me on this, to steer clear of them like they are the bubonic plague. That being said, what is the latest with Amazon reviews? Because I'm hearing about reviews being disapproved because Amazon gets it through their head that the person buying the product and the person selling the product are friends. And I, you hear stuff like that. So just tell me, what's the latest with leveraging reviews and making sure your, your reviews support your Amazon business? So first of all, reviews are very, very important. That's absolutely true because they provide social proof to other people about your business. October 3rd last year, Amazon changed their ter terms of service. Prior to that, they had uh, capacity for people to have what they call incentivized reviews. So you could give a sample of your product to somebody in exchange for an honest review so long as the fact that the product was given away for free is disclosed in the review. And so there were review companies that did that for businesses and they were mostly compliant and that was okay and everybody did it. October 3rd last year, Amazon finally took action because they realized that they were losing credibility because um, it, you know, they were probably right in, being, uh, in assuming that if somebody got the product for free, they were biased and Amazon is not about biased anything. They put the customer first every single time. So on October 3rd, they changed the rules and said, you are not allowed to do that anymore. Uh, they've never allowed you to give products to friends and family and, and, and they cannot, you know, uh, write reviews if they're friends, family or sort of like related closely to you. Anyone can search Amazon's terms of service around this. If there are still companies out there, and I'm sure there are, that are saying, you know, get 100 verified five-star reviews, you are right. Do not touch them. You'll get your Amazon account shut down. I've had, you know, um, I have several companies um, which serve Amazon sellers, and some of our clients do a million dollars a month and up to $10 million a month on Amazon. And, you know, we've seen million-dollar-a-month uh, sellers just be completely shut down overnight. Like, no, Amazon does not care at all. If you breach their terms, it's okay how big you are, they don't care how much money you're making, they're making just enough money, they're fine, right? So do not touch anything like that. Um, you know, the most 
the best advice I can give you is have an amazing product and follow up uh, with email. Like we, again, I, we use Zonguru and in the interest of disclosure, I own Zonguru, so people know that. But um, we actually send, you can program uh, automated email sequences just like any marketer would. But it's not as easy as you'd think because you've got to send the emails through Amazon's platform. So we plug into their API. You can use Zonguru to set up, you know, three or four follow-up emails to make sure the customer got the product um, to get ahead of any issues. Like we say, if this, is, if this product arrives with any damage or anything at all you're unhappy with, just reply to this email. We'll jump on it within four hours. We usually resolve any issue. And by having these automated emails, we get ahead of bad reviews, and we also have a, a pipeline to ask for a review if they're happy. So, um, you know, and most Amazon sellers, this is stunning to me, still don't do this. We get emails every day with my brand going, I've bought off Amazon for 10 years. You're the first company that's ever sent me an email to ask if everything was okay. Still, you know, it's amazing that marketers are still such a small part of the Amazon ecosystem. Two million third-party sellers, and most of them still don't do this. So, uh, you know, just having a great product, treating a customer well with a well, non-spammy, non-hypey, like my emails are literally two or three sentences, just saying, hey, it's Adam, I own this company, you bought our product, thank you, if you have any issues, please let me know. So they feel like they literally got an email from me, not some, hi, we really appreciate your business, like really, you know, marketing, businessy tone. So that's the key. So steer away from any company that says, I can get you reviews, just don't do it, you'll get banned. Yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense. And uh, when you know, when I when that came out last October, I remember it very clearly. I thought it was pretty much a good thing because, yeah, I mean, hey, if I have a product, I can have uh, my factory whip up 50 copies of it, send it to 50 of my friends, and hell, I'm sure they'll be happy to try it out. And because they like me, uh, want to help me succeed, will be happy to say nice things about it. Oh, really? Uh, I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, so I think that that's good. Um, I did hear about it, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, have it be taken to extremes. Like, and I saw this in the area of selling books. I, I, I saw this in the area of selling books that uh, Amazon was saying, oh, uh, we're going dis- to disapprove their review because we think you, you two know each other in real life. Was that actually true? Did that happen? Yeah, it's happened across many channels because people, for example, uh, the easiest way Amazon flagged this is um, the product got shipped to the same address, you know. Um, so, you know, the, the husband and the wife and whatever, and so the, the wife ordered the product, the husband ordered the product, and they both wrote a review and Amazon goes, bing, <laughs> there's something off here, you know. Um, so Amazon do have algorithms that run to detect fake reviews. Um, and... Uh, you know, it's not hard. I mean, if somebody's a professional reviewer, they know the average number of reviews that someone writes, right? And if somebody all right. of a sudden is writing at, you know, three reviews a day, you know they're part of a review network. They can easily jump on it. They find that person. They look at all the products they've reviewed and then just cancel all the accounts. You know, <laughs> just go, these people are obviously all using the same review company. We'll shut you down until you can prove otherwise. And if they can't, goodbye, you're banned, you know? And it's a good thing because... Amazon is a beast. They've grown to where they are because they care about the customer first. They're, they're, they're ruthless right. about it. Jeff, Jeff has been transparent about that from day one. So um, that's, you know, Amazon actually teach people how to be better e-commerce entrepreneurs. Like one thing most people don't realize is that when a customer emails a seller through Amazon, they start a timer. From the second that that email is sent, we are measured as sellers to how long we take to respond. 
And if we don't respond within 24 hours, we get our seller account dinged. Like it affects our seller rating. So Amazon have all sorts of controls and metrics in place to ensure that their customers have a great experience buying on Amazon. And uh, it's it's great. It, it has really lifted the bar for for people and, and what's expected. You know, you'll never find a more... Um, compliant seller than you will on the Amazon platform. Like if we have an issue at Amazon, my assistant in the Philippines, sorry, in Thailand, I say, look, dude, if there's any problem, you're approved to fix this problem up to the cost of replacing the item in full without having to ask me. Just it's much cheaper for me to say, look, you know what? Keep that one that you've got that you think is damaged or is defective. Please just confirm this is the right shipping address. We're going to send you a replacement um, uh, product right now. It'll be there in two days. Uh, is that okay? And I'll go, oh, my God, I didn't expect that. And guess what happens? I get a review. So I'm basically buying a review for the cost of a replacement product. So if I have damaged products, they turn into reviews because I have a policy which is just like we're so sorry because we know that a negative review is going to kill our business. So we give amazing service, and I reckon probably – 10 or 15% of my reviews have come from defective products, <laughs> which is uh-huh. amazing. You're, you're busted. You're busted, Adam. You're buying reviews. I got you. It's on tape. <laughs> cannot deny it. Roll tape. But, yeah, you bring up a, a very important point. Uh, uh, the, the wholesale or whatever your production cost is to get that replacement out immediately without playing the 10 years back and we'll send you a new one game, when that statistically ups dramatically your chances of getting a highly positive like oh my god these people were so awesome and uh, here's why i love the product step one step two step three that type of review i mean if you're not willing to part with a few dollars every now and then to get a few of those on your track record then i really don't think you're serious about this whole amazon business thing because that's that's silly i mean i mean how much do people pay all the time for reviews Uh, i mean how many i mean how many people go out and buy information products from people and like go for the super deluxe version with the five upsells uh, and join the six week Facebook live group and everything else just so they hope that their $7,000 order captures that person's attention so that maybe one day that person will give them a testimonial on their upcoming Amazon bestseller book. Right. And if, exactly. and, if that, and if that doesn't happen in the real world, I'm not sure exactly what real world people are living in. I mean, I understand the relationship between so-called the truth versus a person's individual truth, but we all know that goes on. Look, it does. And look, people are so short-sighted. You know, I, I got recently approached by a website called Touch of Modern, which is one of the fastest growing websites out there. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but they have 14 million members, mostly men, because my products are targeted at men, mostly men, affluent men, over $100,000 a year salary type guys, and they curate beautiful products from around the world, and they offer them to that database, and they go to sellers and unique products that they find and say, hey, look, we found you, we love your product. Now, they found me on Amazon and said, look, we've looked at your product, it's beautiful, we've read all the reviews, and you've got like almost a five-star rating across the board. And that's because right. of all the way along the line for the last four or five years, I've had policies in place from day one that don't mess with a customer. If there's any issue, so in the box, we've also in the box put a note from me with my photo saying, this is me, I own the company, and this is my real email address. If there is any issue at all, email me personally and I'll answer you. And I get reviews. People say, I, I just got a note from the CEO. I emailed the guy 
And he actually answered, and that's what it says in the review. And I'm not asking for a review. I'm just letting them know, hey, dude, I love you. I want your business. I appreciate you. And that results in like Touch of Modern coming along and say, hey, we want to offer your products to our 14 million customers for you. Um, do you want to do a deal? And I didn't have to pay to be promoted or any of those things. And, you know, and, and they said, we think we can do eight sales a year. And each one of those sales are net hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's... You know, and that comes around because it's a building momentum process, you know, and some people are like, oh, no, no, I, I disagree. And then they, somebody writes a negative review and they go in and they, start, and they start arguing with the person and, oh, my God, if I get a negative review, we go in and we say, thank you so much for your feedback. Please email us. We'd like to send you a replacement of this product or any of our other products of similar value for free without obligation. And people go, oh, my God, like, that's a negative review. But look at the way this company's responded, you know, like, Right. Our motto is outstanding customer service um, on top of outstanding products. I've even had people who've written negative reviews and then we put that offer in and then they change their review. It's completely at their own discretion. We don't ask them to. They go, oh, wow, I feel like a dick. I just really was a bit harsh on this dude. He sounds like a good guy. Um, so, you know, it's that kind of commitment that we learned from Amazon. You know, that's how Amazon do business. They just don't mess with a customer ever, you know. So yeah. cost of doing business, but in the long run, the value is enormous. I mean, um, if you ever come to sell your company, that's what buyers look at. They look at how much, how is these products reviewed? What are customers saying about these guys? You know, my, my seller feedback is 100%. Right. Like there's, there's hardly any, I mean, literally it's 100%. Hardly any sellers have 100% positive feedback, <laughs> you know, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's really good. So you pointed out, Two things that I have been saying for years and years and years and years and years that I wish more businesses would get, whether it's online or offline. Uh, actually, it's two plus one things because there's two parts to it. Um, we, uh, you know, we hear all the time about people who run membership sites, and they say the software must be broken. Thirty percent of our people buy our membership or buy our product that we keep under lock and key, but then they don't set up their username and password, and we have to do it for them. The software's broken. We need it fixed. And I say, you want to fix it? Here's how you fix it. Every single time somebody places an order, whether they get the password right or whether they get the password wrong, you have a human being go in there and either verify that their username and password is working or quickly create one if they didn't do it. And then email them personally and say, hey, thank you so much. We're so glad and so happy that you invested in us today. We just want to make sure you had a chance to log in and let you know we're here to help in any way we can. Here's your username. Here's your password. And if you could please just click and reply to this email and type the words, I'm in, so that we know that we have delivered on our promise. I, yeah, I mean, that is, that is the fix to everything right there. And if you have a standard of doing that consistently, uh, you'd be amazed how much goodwill you get um, from that person who was frustrated because they couldn't get their username and password to work. It, it goes straight from, boy, their broken website. And, I, and, and did I just get ripped off? And am I going to have to do a chargeback to, wow, these guys are great. Yeah, easy stuff. It, 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 it escalates that quickly. So, uh, I, I, mean, if, and if you're, I mean, if you're not doing that, which leads to the other part of the same point, which is when you have a new customer come on board. And I'd like to draw the distinction, as Jim Palmer, uh, the, the dean of Dream Business Academy, has taught, the distinction between a transaction and a customer. Uh, the little ding on your phone and the line on your 
bank account that says you've got money. That's not a new customer. That's a transaction. You get a customer when you earn that customer. And a key step to doing that is after they invest in you, after they sign on the line that is dotted, after they fill out the, the order form that is secure and press that submit button, pick up the phone, give them a call, and say, hey, we just wanted to thank you so much for investing in our stuff today. Uh, wanted to check in, see if uh, you had any initial questions, and just let you know that we're here to help with anything you need. And what that does yeah, for retention and upsells is incredible. We do it. Look, we you know we teach people to sell on Amazon, and we have a course that we sell, as you know, Adam. And one thing that we do that yes. I, I've never experienced, and I've bought courses all over the world online, is we do an onboarding call, a live onboarding call with everybody that joins. It's a 30-minute call. We have two people in Los Angeles full-time who do this. And we ask questions like, why did you join the program? What are your resources? Um, if people have borrowed the money to buy the course, which is $2,000 to buy it, if they put that on their credit card and they don't have any other funds, we give them a refund. Um, we, we say, look, we're going to refund you right now. Come back to us in you know, six or 12 months when you've saved up at least another four or 5000 so you can buy some initial inventory, afford professional photography, um, and the other stuff that we're going to teach you in the program. Because we're, we're not about getting you, and we learned this from Ramit Sethi, you know, and we totally agreed with that philosophy. We're not about setting people back financially, right? So we do a live onboarding call. We actually weed out probably 2% of people who've actually paid. We eject because they were dicks or they were rude or aggressive on the phone because we actually care about the community of people that we're building. And what that does is, you know, the people that actually get in after they pay go, man, these guys actually really um, care. You know, they actually care about right. the people who are here in this in this community of people. And the, the, the knock-on effects are tremendous. Uh, and we tell people, you know, coming into the transaction with us, you know, one of our mottos is that if it's easy for you, it's easy. If it's easy for one, it's easy for many. So, uh, you know, a lot of these courses out there tell people you can get started with like 200 bucks and, you know, you just need this software and, and people go, oh, how good is this, right? So the, the, the most dangerous thing you can do when you're starting an Amazon business is what everybody else is doing. Right, so you need to, um, you know, people think I'm just going to get the cheapest photos possible because they think it's reducing their risk. It's actually increasing your risk because you're not investing where it matters. Does that make sense? So we sort of encourage people, you know, they get their Chinese suppliers giving them quotes and they start negotiating people just on the price. And I'm like, well, what, what metrics do you have in place to find out about the quality? You know, and they're like, oh, uh, well, no, they're thinking about their needs and not the customer's needs, you know, so... Um, you know, the worst thing you can do is, you know, go into this economy that I'm reducing my risk by being cheaper um, because that's what everybody does. That's the most dangerous path um, to enter a market, you know. The, the, the smartest part is to really think about your customer all the way through and be prepared to invest in your belief that people will notice the details because, of course, they do. We notice the smallest things. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, don't do a business if you can't do it well. Um, why do it? You know, just wait yeah. until you can find a niche where there is margin. And it is hard to find those niches where there's still margin and uh, opportunity. Um, if anybody tells you it's easy and, and you'll be the only person that's figured that out, be very careful. Yes. Uh, all right. So we have uh, literally four minutes left here. Time flies. Uh, 30 seconds for an observation for me, and then I want that to build on what you said. Then I want to turn over the floor to you for our final question. Uh, so my 30-second observation is, when I'm looking to buy something online or invest in a local business that has online reviews, 
I don't look for the perfect five-star company. I look for the company that has 4.3 stars or has a rating of 8.5 out of 10 because I want to see that they got a couple negative reviews. And I want to see how they handled that negative reviews because that's going to tell me that most of the time they do it right, but every so often when they screw it up like any human being will, I want to see if they stand up with integrity because that is going to give me more confidence than just knowing that a bunch of people think they're cold. So I want to thank you for sharing that with us. And that being said, as we're near the top of the hour here, um, Adam, if you could please uh, just share with us a little bit. Uh, you know, we have our business creators on the edge of their seat, and they want to take this to the next level and rock it out with an Amazon business. So um, how, can they, how can they work with you? How can they reach out to you? How do you serve? So the best way to contact me is just through our website, which is www.reliable.com. Dot education. There's no dot .com, it's not dot .edu, it's just reliable.education. I yes. give away a free four-part course, it's four videos, I take you inside my home, I show you around and I talk to you about different products, why I wouldn't, wouldn't sell them, I teach the financial metrics of Amazon, a whole bunch of other stuff. That way you get to know me, you get to see if you like what I'm talking about and then if you want to work with us further beyond that, you can buy the program and join our student community in 16 countries around the world. Yeah, well, uh, that, yeah, and that's fantastic. And uh, and we have another minute here. So you mentioned uh, you have a book coming up. So tell us about that. I love books. Yeah, the book's called Primed, Your Guide to Building a Thriving Amazon Business. And it basically teaches you all about, we use the metaphor throughout the book of Amazon being a jungle. And we talk about microclimates within that jungle and the four types of animals that inhabit that jungle. And, and it's really important to understand what type of animal you are because, you know, at the end of the day, the one constant in business is you. And if you don't know who you are, then, you know, you're going to start trying to adapt into other people's ideas of how to do things instead of playing to your strengths, um, which is really such a critical thing. And you know, a lot of teachers out there say, this is the only way to do something. Well, there's really only one way to do something. And, um, and it, it's really important that you know who you are and you understand the jungle which you're wading into. So we're really excited about it. The, uh, the book is um, just about at the printers now. And, um, yeah, it's coming out soon. We've, we've uh, got some great reviews already. So um, that's going to be available on Amazon. And, um, yeah, imagine that, an Amazon book on Amazon. I was just getting ready to say, you mean I can go to Amazon, the book section, and find <laughs> books about Amazon? Holy smokes! Amazing. They make it easy. They make it easy. Well, I'll be sure to pick up my copy of your of your book primed as soon as it's available and i'll be sure to drop you a nice review because if you um if what's in that book is even just a little bit more than what you've shared with us today then you will have totally knocked it out of the park because what you've shared with us today my friend has been fantastic as our listeners know i'm not only the host but i'm also a student with my notepad out looking for my slide edge in my business and i think i got about two pages so thank you. Fantastic. Thank you, Adam, for having me. I really appreciate it. You bet. For everybody, for everybody listening, just wanted to just share with you that uh, you know, our guest is Adam Hudson on the topic of helping others create the businesses of their dreams. You can discover him at www.reliable.education. Exactly as I said it. He has his own TD now. So for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.